This is Pitch Black, the podcast for at least one more week. Uh, my name is Kyle Mankey. Uh, quick reminder before uh, we have some big, big news, some smaller news, is that we are going to be changing the name of the podcast in the next few weeks. Uh, so don't freak out if you look at your podcast app in a couple weeks and there's a uh, mysterious soccer show sitting there waiting for you. That is this show. Uh, we are going to keep using that same feed. We're just going to kind of change the name, change the attitude a little bit of the show because it's supposed to be fun. Soccer is fun. Covering these teams is fun. And uh, we're, we're going to try and have some fun. So speaking of trying to have some fun, I want to introduce the new co-host, my new partner in crime, Mr. Larry Leathers in the flesh. Um, Larry, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good. I'm excited about being on the podcast and coming on as a co-host now. So Larry is one of my oldest friends. He is a old roommate of mine from way back in the day. Uh, we go way back, but way more importantly than that, Larry is a massive San Antonio FC fan, a season ticket holder since early 2016, back in the uh, golden, not the golden years, but the, uh, what's what's when something's The new? inaugural season. There you go. That works. That is that what we're searching for here? Inaugural season. That's that's better. I was trying to think, what's what do you call something that's like brand new, shiny, brand spanking? <laughs> I don't know, whatever. But he's been around. Uh, he's been to more games than me, I think, actually. So, uh, you know, I, I'm really excited to have you, Larry, and I'm excited to uh, have some fun, talk some soccer, and, and see what happens. Absolutely. It's going to be a great time. So um, for next week's episode, I think I'd like to open up the Twitter account to uh, get a little maybe ask Larry, hashtag ask Larry, and get to know you a little bit if, uh, if you're up for that. But for uh, this week, I'm, I want to kind of pick your brain a little bit since um, I kind of vented all of my end of season feelings last week. Um, I kind of wanted to get your feelings on SAFC's 2017 campaign and kind of what you were feeling about it. So um, I want to start off with how you're feeling right now, uh, coming away from the end of the season, finishing second in the regular season, and then making it into um, the conference semis. You know, how do you feel about this team in, in 2017? You know, I think overall it feels really good. Um, 2016, you know, being the first season – try to remember that, you know, in December of 2015, we were barely even a team. We were going to the crest, the crest and the team announcements. We were seeing Rafa get signed as one of the first players. And we've come a long way from that, that point. Um, lots of good, good work on Darren and Tim's, Tim's part. And they've, they seem to be heading in the right direction right now. Um, I definitely listened to last week's podcast. I heard all the venting and all the griping about <laughs> things that had happened. That doesn't and sound like me. <laughs> I can't, for the life of me, remember if you hit this one. I know you heard me say it multiple times when we were at the game itself. But where was Chris Tierpak? That is what grinds me the most about that game. Where was Chris Tierpak and all of that? He didn't play in the game. He didn't come in for penalties. He didn't come in an extra time. And we left a sub there that didn't get used. And with the way some of the things were going on the field, he might have been the big difference maker for the team in that game. And it feels like it was probably probably something that was left undone that probably should have happened, at least on my part. I was so excited about Rafa coming in that I didn't even think about tier pack until you mentioned it that night. And you're, I think you're right. Like it would have helped to 
it could have potentially helped to change up that attacking scheme a little bit and get some fresh legs in there. And, you know, especially, obviously there's no way to know this going into it, but especially looking at how PKs shook out with a few of those being missed, you, you have to wonder, right? And that's kind of the crappy part of the off season is, is wondering what could have been, right? <laughs> the wondering is always the worst. And that's, that's the thing that I wonder about the most is, I felt like, you know, coming into the second half, it kind of seemed like Billy wasn't all the way in it. And maybe bringing Chris in would have made that difference there. Obviously, we didn't make that move. Darren chose not to make that move, which is fine. Totally support him as a coach and the choices he's making. I think he was kind of going for the let's roll with what's been working for us as a team the last few games. And I can't fault him for that. But it just that's the one thing that bothers me about all this is that tier pack wasn't in the game. And that's a good problem to have, I think, given, you know, some of the other things we saw with like Marco Jong starting it right back. To me, that wasn't a huge issue in the game. Um, I, I actually really like him back there. So, yeah, to to I hate to use the word nitpick, but to like focus in on the fact that one player didn't get in, um, that seems like a, a good problem, I guess. <laughs> it seems like a good problem, but when you're going, you know, for 90 minutes and then you're going to add an extra 30 and then you're going to take PKs, you've got guys out there that are getting tired and to not use a sub on one of those guys, it just seems like a missed, big missed opportunity. I don't think we'd ever hear him say this publicly, but I have to wonder how Chris Tierpak feels watching his old team in Swole Park Rangers going to the USL Cup Finals later this week um, while he's, you know, on on his off season already, getting ready for 2018. That's got to be it, frustrating. <laughs> it's definitely got to be disappointing for him, which is horrible. You know, I wish we were, I wish we were going to be in the game on Monday night. <laughs> Yeah, that's and we'll preview the game a little bit. We'll kind of make a couple minor predictions, but um, going back to SAFC's first season in, in 2016 and looking at that compared to this past season in 2017, um, to you, what are the biggest takeaways of the changes that we've seen year to year and um, kind of the the form that we saw this team take? Uh, given a full off season to prepare. I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head right there with the full off season to prepare. Time is the biggest difference maker. We had four months going into that first season from when we announced the team formally to when the team took the field for the first time. And there's going to be some big growing pains with that, especially while Darren's trying to implement a system, find players that fit that system and that make the team work. Um, I think we saw some great mid-season improvements last year, uh, you know, bringing in players to make a difference in the long run. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough to get us to the playoffs last year, but I think he's been able to build over the course of the offseason going from 2016 to 2017 uh, with solidifying something that fits his system. And I I think we're going to keep on moving forward and keep on improving from here on out. Yeah, for sure. I think the team that we saw in 2017 is the kind of team that we're likely to see in 2018. Um, I I think for as long as Coach Powell is the head coach of SAFC, uh, which I hope is a long time. (laughs) Um, Me too. Yeah. I Don't want to see that change. (laughs) Man, I... 
I saw one internet troll saying like, this team never scores. We need to change the coach. I'm like, dude, you came in second in the regular season in the hardest division in USL. Like, chill, fam. Like, well, I mean, there's there's some people that are out there just for goals. You know, they want to see those three zero scores, four zero, five zero, even some of this crazy stuff you get out of Reno. Uh, but we're just not built that way. We're built to have that one zero, maybe a two zero or a one one situation, two one situation where we just eke it out with our defense and get by. For sure, that's just the team we're looking at here, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to get comfortable with it because I think that's where we're headed in the future too. For sure. I, I really think that um, Coach Powell's scheme is very defensive first and low scoring and uh, take your opportunities when they come. And I think that's great. And I think the San Antonio fan base is smart enough to support that um, in the games and not get bored by one zero games or zero zero draws or whatever. Like, I feel like the fan intelligence of the game is to a point where they can go and enjoy a 1-1 game or a 0-0 game or, you know they don't need these hat tricks and everything else obviously those are fun and I want to see those um, whenever possible <laughs> but uh, I've I've enjoyed almost every game that I've seen from SAFC uh, in 2017 so They've definitely been interesting. They're tons of fun. Obviously, I don't think we'd have the season ticket member base that we do if they weren't. Um, yeah, there's games where we, I would obviously like to see a change, like let's say the big blowout that we had with Swope Park this year. <laughs> that wasn't a very fun game to watch, but you were going to have those kind of games every now and then. And that Just one, oh, hopefully less than more. You know? Yeah, yeah. That one, that one in Swope, that blowout came at the end of a huge road trip, and it just kind of felt like all the wheels fell off all at once. So if if they all have to fall out, I guess it's better to go at once, right, and not have like a huge slump, just have one really bad game. Get it out of our system all in one place. I can deal with that. I mean, we didn't lose that many games this season. We did a really good job of just keeping wins and draws coming. I mean, 12 clean sheets for Restrepo, all that stuff is great. We're we're in a great spot going into the future here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I do want to ask you about last year, uh, 2017, I, I mean by last year. Um, any favorite players in particular that you enjoyed watching um, in 2017 or, or maybe 2016 too, maybe two-year players? You know, two-year players, it's, I think, my favorite player on the team. Actually, I know my favorite player on the team. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see him much this season, is Cardoni. He <laughs> makes a huge difference, and I love watching him the way he plays on the field. I wish we would have seen him more. Obviously, you can't do much when you get an injury. Thankfully, we had Diego Restrepo to step in and take over that role. We're turning this into a thing here where our second-string goalie is going to end up being our our regular season right. champion every year. And I, I don't like it, but it's great that we've been able to do that. We'd be in a much bigger hole if we couldn't. I'm starting to think whoever is the second string keeper for 2018 has like the best job. Like I feel like the first string keeper is jinxed for SAFC could be wrong. God, I, I really, I, that does not bode well for the people that I want to see on the field, but <laughs> you know, we've got some good depth at our goalie position, especially now that Matt's healthy again. So For we sure. could be in pretty good shape. 
Um, how about um, Sebastian Biaga? Just talking about some solid players that we had coming in this year. Um, potentially defensive player of the year. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But um, you know, who are some of the some of the other guys that you were really impressed with in 2017? You know, obviously the Titan, the all-time time leader uh, for time spent on the field, Greg Cochran, huge piece of our team, super fun to watch, very much missed when he's not on the field, which hasn't been very often. That's a great thing. Um, but yeah, I just can't get enough of watching Greg Cochran play. He plays his heart out every single week when he's on the field, and it makes the game that much more enjoyable to watch. For sure. He's... He's been someone who's really impressed me. Uh, and I remember even back in 2016 when he joined the club, um, you and I talking about how surprised we were that SAFC landed him and, you know, just kind of the right timing type thing because he was coming off of a season with the Chicago Fire and that MLS experience. So, um, well, I, I'm getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him jumping back up to that MLS level with the way he's been playing for us down here at our level. Yeah. And we've got, here's a little tease for you listeners. Um, we've got at least one SAFC player who could potentially be making that jump to the MLS level. And we'll talk about him a little bit later, um, as well as some other candidates that we think definitely could too. But, um, wrap things up with, with this little section in asking you, um, what are you looking forward to most in 2018 as an SAFC fan or, or as someone who's you know analyzing this team? You know, I, I, I've got to throw the word out there. I don't see how I can't be excited about a championship. It's, it's right there. We're so close to a championship. I feel like we're obviously we had some issues in this last game, but we are, we've got this package that's, almost exactly what we need to get there and to get it done. And I think with this upcoming off season, hopefully Powell can move the pieces around just a little bit and tweak it. And we'll be right where we need to be to bring a championship back to San Antonio. I, I won't fight you on it. <laughs> uh, we'll have to see who comes back of course and who the signings are. But uh, yeah, I, I really think that this team in 2017 was, pretty close to it and you know depending on who we get back 2018 could be the year it definitely looks like we're headed in the right direction for it it's going to be a tough fight to keep all the players that are on our team here for another season i think with the way they perform this year but i think we can hopefully get the job done for sure so um i'm going to say it again at the end of the podcast like we always do but just in case you're listening to the show in chunks here and not listening to it straight through if you want to follow Larry on Twitter and see what he has to say about all things SAFC and many other things, um, you can do that at LarryLeathers87. Again, that's at LarryLeathers87, all one word, and we will tweet that out um, from my account at Kyle underscore Mankey and from the at 210Soccer account as well. Um, again, we are going to rename this podcast eventually, and that will entail uh creating a new um twitter handle for it and all that good stuff but for now we'll uh bum off of the 210 soccer account <laughs> until the podcast has its own um moving on some safc players getting recognized for their hard work this year uh usl's best 11 came out and three players were listed from san antonio fc 
Um, Diego Restrepo and Sebastian Ibiaga both made the USL All-League first team. Billy Forbes got in there in the All-League second team. Um, so congrats to those three for being recognized. I, I Personally, I, I think it's deserved. Um, Larry, what are your feelings on those three making... Uh, those two making the first team and then Billy making the second team. You know, obviously Diego deserves it above anything else. He has been a shutdown goalie the entire season. I know he didn't eke it out with the Golden Glove based on the numbers, but he was so close to having that as well. If we had keep, been able to keep one more clean sheet in there, that probably would have made the difference. Um, but he's definitely deserving of being, you know, the the top goalie in the league this season. Um, as far as Sebastian Ibiaga. I, I don't even know what there is to say about it. The guy shuts every single person down. That ball's coming in the box. He's getting it out of there no matter what. I mean, definitely, he's what has he got? He's got the best clearance league or uh, league high clearances with 190 in the league. How can you argue with that? He deserves it above just about all those guys in there. Absolutely. Another guy with a little bit of MLS experience that's found his way into San Antonio FC, and, and he made the most of this season for sure. And um, he's definitely my pick for defensive player of the year. And we'll talk about that in a second. Before I do that, Billy Forbes making the second team, any strong feelings on that? You know, I think he deserves it as well. He played solid for most of the season. There was, you know, some, some quiet times for him in the middle of the middle of the year this time around. And looking at the first team, you know, you start looking at guys like Marcel Schaefer and Velasquez and Weehan up there that were uh, midfielders that made the first team. And those guys had really strong years. Um, so it's kind of hard to argue with having those guys on the first team. I'm just happy to see them on the second team and see SAFC players getting the recognition they deserve. For sure. It's, it's good that he's getting recognized, especially after winning uh, Player of the Month back in the first month of the season. Absolutely. Um, but, huge but. Um, and... You know, having followed the Scorpions and SAFC, you already know this, but Billy Forbes is the streakiest of streaky players. Um, he had an amazing beginning of the season and a pretty solid ending to the season, but there were a lot of games there where I know you and I privately had kind of wondered why Billy was still getting the start, and eventually he didn't get the start for a couple games. So That's right. Got to remind me on that one. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I haven't really been like super upfront about it, but I also haven't been very secretive about it. But um, the way that the, the all league teams are decided is uh, every team's market has a vote and um, they make votes for, the whole 11 and for their team and for other things. And it's kind of a complicated process that I won't explain right now. Um, but long story short, um, the fact that these guys got um, best 11 and that, that Forbes got onto the second team, it means that other markets were paying attention for sure. And the, the thing I worry about with that is uh Forbes getting on the second team is maybe someone just clicked through and looked at, you know, who had the most goals or, or that kind of thing and wasn't really paying attention week to week. And I say all of that to get to my point of, I really hope that next year it shifts to a East West best 11 because they're basically two different leagues anyway. Um, so it's almost impossible to, 
pay attention to all of these teams and really get to know like who the best defender is on, you know, any random Eastern team when you're only seeing Western teams in person. So um, just a side rant uh, of mine that I hope next year they switch to East West voting. And uh, part of that too is because uh, OKC energy got completely left out on both the first team and the second team, which is, shocking um i'm i wish i would have saved my ballot i'm like 90 percent sure that i voted for at least one okc player so i'm pretty shocked that they were completely left out of both teams on that for for a team that made it to the final four in the usl cup playoffs it's definitely interesting to say the least (laughs) so the next stage of that um, oh, finishing up with uh, with the all-league teams, SAFC, Salt Lake City, and Reno were the only three teams with a pair of players on the first team. Um, so I think that shows the strength of the West, too, or at least the top of the West, is that San Antonio, Salt Lake, and Reno were able to get multiple representatives on the first team, and no one else could in the entire league. So I think that's kind of cool. How about Charleston? I mean, they had one one player on the first team but they had three on the second team definitely well represented on their part but like you said that could be a voting thing (laughs) yeah i really hope explaining the ballot would be too long and not worth it but i hope that they change things for next year to where um you're able to get a little bit more educated than digging through the opta stats um on some of these guys but um, when it comes to the individual awards, um, they did announce the finalists for that on Thursday. Sebastian Biaga is in the top three for Defensive Player of the Year, and Diego Restrepo is in the top three for Goalkeeper of the Year. And we will find out on November 20th and 21st um, if they ended up winning that. But, I mean, do you think that either of them have a real shot at getting those awards? Because I'm pretty confident that they deserve both of them personally. Uh, especially for Diego, I mean, being the the all-league team goalie, I mean, I think he probably deserves it. I can't <laughs> say I've watched all that much of Earl Edwards Jr. from Orlando City B. I've seen a little bit of Mitch Hildebrandt from FC Cincinnati as the goalkeeper, other goalkeeper finalists. But Diego, obviously, I, I saw tons of him, and he looked great this season. And if you're going to be on the, the U.S. all-league team as the starting goalkeeper, then you probably deserve to get goalkeeper goalkeeper of the year, too. Yeah, it kind of gives it away, right? When when you have a goalkeeper get the first team award, um, it kind of lends itself to, you know, he's going to win that, I would think. <laughs> the Defender of the Year finalist, that one might be a little bit more up in the air. All three of the players that are up for that as finalists, they were all on first team. So, I mean, that one could go any way, really. Sure. But I think Sebastian's got a decent shot at it for sure. Yeah, I I really think he's deserving of it. He was, you know, game-changing center back this year. So arguably the best pickup for 2017 um, that the club had. I I don't even know if that's something to argue about. I'm pretty sure he was the best pickup for 2017. It could be. Um, Ibiaga is definitely up there. Restrepo, we got to. Those are your two right there. I mean, and Restrepo wasn't even meant to be our starter. But look at how that worked out. This team, so many, so much turnover with 
from 16 to 17 and almost all of it was really solid which doesn't work out very often <laughs> like I know we lost a few players along the way but Billy Forbes Chris Tierpak Ever Guzman uh you know so many people Marco Jong and Ibiaga and Restrepo of course like we said like Noonan who played most of the year Hedrick Hedrick yeah <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of guys that were picked up either at the beginning of the season or mid-season this year. And they made real that made, contributions. Exactly. They made a huge difference for this team. Oh, I got to stop interrupting you. I keep forgetting we're recording a podcast and not just shooting the shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's what we're used to doing. So, I mean, why would it be any different? Uh, so, one more thing before we take a little break here is uh, this is the time of year where... USL players who perform well are starting to get their chance with MLS clubs, um, whether it be just an informal visit or an actual trial or, or various levels of commitment there. Um, so that kind of just comes with the territory of being a USL fan. Um, one player that we know for sure who is at least visiting an MLS team um, whether or not it be on trial or, you know, anything serious. Um, Billy Forbes posted some stuff to social media um, where he is with LA Galaxy. And, uh, you know, we don't know the extent of that. We don't know if it's a trial or if, you know, it's a transfer. I think it would be way too early for that. But um, talking with some folks that I know out there, um, Billy would be the exact kind of signing that the Galaxy first team would need right now. I was kind of talking to them about how Forbes is not perfect and how I don't think he is a MLS starter right now by any means, but he could perform well coming off the bench in situations where he's really motivated to earn a starting spot. And talking with the folks that we know out there, that is kind of exactly what the Galaxy need right now are depth signings and getting to the point where they're not playing their 16-year-old academy kids with the senior team. I'm exaggerating there, of course, but... Um, not by much. Not by much. <laughs> so uh, what do you make, Larry, of Billy potentially working out with L.A. Um, and just in general seeing some of these guys getting their shot with MLS? You know, I'm happy for Billy if he he's able to make it work. Obviously, you know, he's been great for San Antonio. Him coming back here was great for the team this season. But you've got to expect at this level that if they're performing, if players performing well, they're going to start getting looked at by MLS teams and possibly get these call-ups. So if he's able to make it work for him and he's able to, you know, earn a bench spot or potentially with the right pairing up front, make it onto a starting role there for LA Galaxy, I'd be happy for him. I mean, it's. I feel like you've got to find the pairing for him. That's the big thing with Forbes. We saw it at the beginning of the season this year with Elizondo. They were clicking really well. But then when Elizondo started to have injury issues, he wasn't around as much. They were resting him. That's when we started to see Billy's play start coming back down to reality. And so I think it's going to be big on their part to find that pairing for him to make him an impact player out there in LA if he was to go out there. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting point that you bring up in him needing a partner or him performing best when he has a partner um, that he's comfortable with. So, uh, man, I think he's good enough to make an MLS team for sure. Flat out, no, you know, asterisks of any kind. Um, I just... 
I question how successful um, something like that would be in a team that's already rebuilding in a new market. Uh, you know, here he had Rafa and Cesar and, and several guys in a familiar market that he was playing with. And like we said earlier, he had a phenomenal start to the season and a good end of the season, but there was a big stretch there where he was pretty mediocre at, at the USL level. So I wish the best for him and for all of the SAFC players who are trying to take that step up. I really do. Um, I'm just not sure that, you know, it's one of those things where like, do you want to be the best in USL or do you want to be, you know, questionable in MLS? We kind of saw that with Jack McBean where he tore up USL and now he's uh, a free agent as far as I'm aware. I don't think he's with LA anymore. I didn't even realize he'd been cut. But, yeah, I mean, that'd be a good point. I mean, a lot of it is going to come down to money, too. I mean, if they've got aspirations to make the big bucks, the place to do it is is going up to MLS. I mean, we've talked before lightly about contracts and, and what they're worth here down at the USL level. And, you know, it's it's good money, but there's better money to be made out there. And money talks a lot of the times with a lot of these guys. I don't know where – Billy sits in that spectrum. I've never had the opportunity personally to speak with him. Um, but I mean, that could be a money's a big motivator for a lot of people. And if they're willing to, you know, maybe give him a role and give him a little bit more money that might get him out there to LA. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you can't blame somebody for taking more guaranteed money. <laughs> like at the end of the day, this is still a business and it's still a job and these guys aren't making, you know, $80 million a year or anything like that. On top of that, in particular for Forbes, is he's got a family to think about now. You know, we saw him get engaged at one of the games earlier this season. His wife is a soccer player here in town. All that's going to play into his bigger decision-making role now. You know, he's got to be able to support that family, especially going forward. Well, that's the interesting thing, right, is L.A. is one of the few markets where his wife could play soccer too. You know, if Billy went to some MLS cities or some, you know, NASL cities, there are not women teams for her to play with. Um, whereas in San Antonio, she has Athenians and in LA there's, uh, options I'm sure just by mar by virtue of it being a massive market. But, um, yeah, definitely something to consider there. He's got a lot on his plate now from a decision-making standpoint, if he's, you know, actually considering moving out to LA in that regard. And just to confirm, I'm not crazy. Um, Jack McBean signed for Coventry City uh, on a loan deal in August of 2016, uh, and then he was released in November uh, November 7th of uh, this month. Wow, so, a couple days ago. <laughs> yeah, what is today? The ninth. The ninth. Ninth. Yeah. The ninth. So two days ago. Hey, maybe Jack McBean to SA. There we go. Let's start the hashtag. Get it done, Darren. <laughs> Do it now. Oh man, I would I would lose my mind, dude. That would be a pretty solid signing, right? From everything we've seen from him anyway. He's definitely a solid USL player. It wouldn't uh, hurt to have him on our team, but we're dealing with a team that's already stacked the brim with talent already. It'd be just one more person that we'd have to find time right. for on the field. And that is always the question with um, minor league sports or lower division soccer, however you want to phrase it, is who's going to be around next year. So we know Billy is uh, in L.A. We don't know to what extent. Um, some other players that I would think are going to at least get looks from MLS would be Diego Restrepo, just from his spectacular season. 
uh, Ibiaga. I swear this isn't the Ibiaga Restrepo show, but uh, we've talked about them a lot. So I would think <laughs> that they're going to get MLS looks. Um, probably Greg Cochran again, I would think. Uh, if not MLS, then probably USL looking to um, you know, pay him and lure him in if possible. Um, Chris Tierpak, yeah. yeah, always a real popular target with USL. Who else do you think? Anybody that comes to mind? I think McCarthy's definitely a target. I know he's gotten some MLS experience before, so he's used to that that side of things. Um, he could definitely get some looks from some teams with the way he's been playing down at the USL level and from other USL teams. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see any of the names that we've just mentioned potentially get sniped out from under us here if Darren and Tim can't get contracts done and keep them here in San Antonio for another year. And one player that we're pretty confident we won't see next year is uh, Devin Vega. And obviously he has a lot of contacts up in FC Dallas. So it'd be interesting to see if he ends up back in MLS um, as a depth signing or, you know, loan to OKC energy, uh, the USL affiliate or, or something else, you know? So It'll be interesting to see, and we'll keep track of all that throughout the offseason. We will um, keep track of where we think players are going or players who get announced as either leaving or staying, um, all that good stuff. But we probably won't see too much concrete stuff until early December, I would think, at the earliest. Um, But, you know, we'll keep an eye out, and we will definitely put that out on Twitter as soon as we see anything or hear anything, and, of course, on the podcast as well. I think the one other thing that we may see sooner than that is, you know, potential and we didn't talk about this is potential retirements, uh, you know, like maybe Ryan Rashindel. I know he's been big on the coaching side of things. It seems kind of like his career might be winding down a little bit. Um, obviously, Rafa as well. He's getting up there. I'd love to see him out there for another season. I think he's probably got the gas in the tank. It's whether he's got the desire to come back for another year or not. Yeah, especially after missing all that time this year after getting hurt, you'd think that might put a few more games in his tank from from not having to run around as much he certainly came out firing in that last game that's for sure it looked like he looked like a whole new fresh player so yeah hopefully we'll see him back for another year but I've got to think that you know there's a couple guys on the team that are possibly looking at retiring in the future something else to consider and I promise we're not going to harp on this too much but um you know, Austin, whether it be a USL team or an MLS team, Austin is getting a team. So some of these guys, if they're able to continue their soccer career without moving their family across the country, just moving them a little bit up 35, I think that could be something to consider too, especially guys like Tierpak where they're from Austin, if I remember correctly. And, you know, Cyprian Hedrick is from the Houston area, if I remember correctly. So all these things keeping them in Texas, I think it's an interesting aspect to all this player movement stuff. I honestly hadn't even given Austin much thought from a, you know players moving from our team up to there. But yeah, that's definitely something big to consider. That could, that could have massive implications on our team from a talent standpoint, especially depending on when they get things figured out for soccer starting in Austin. Yeah, I mean... It looks like, and again, I promise we're not going to harp on this, but it looks like they're going to get either USL or MLS in 2019. So it'll be interesting for sure. Yep. Um, with that, let's take a break before I make this uh, too much of a expansion podcast. <laughs> but um, when we come back, we will talk a little bit about the USL Cup final that's coming up. 
Uh, we will talk a little bit of expansion because we do have some news out of Nashville and out of Austin. Um, and we will maybe get to the U.S. men's national team, uh, the U.S. boys' national team against Portugal. Oh, God. Um, and, of course, your Twitter topics and questions like we always do. Um, we will be right back. Thank you for listening. back thank you so much for listening thank you in particular to our patreon patrons um i am used to saying that out of habit however like i said last week patreon is going 100 to 210soccer.com now so thank you for your support in the past um for getting this podcast where it is um, however if you're interested in contributing to patreon um that's all going to go to the website 210soccer.com uh, the podcast is uh, is floating on. It's it's doing okay. So um, now I don't really know why I'm talking about Patreon at this point. So um, anyway, thank you for supporting in the past. And if you're interested in supporting 210soccer.com, you can do that at patreon.com slash 210soccer. Um, let's jump into the USL Cup final. Super smooth transition there. Um <laughs> Swope Park Rangers versus Louisville City at Slugger Field in Louisville. Um, obviously, the uh, the matchup that we thought we'd see at the beginning of the season, right? <laughs> I don't know that anybody called this is the matchup to end it all. <laughs> oh, man, what a mess. What a mess this season has been. It's been fun. But uh, Louisville City hosting Swope Park. Um, obviously we know a lot about Swope Park, having seen them so many times over the last two years, very attacking minded team, a team that has given San Antonio FC a lot of trouble in the past. Um, so it's interesting to see them make it to the final against Louisville. Um, I like that it's an independent team that they're playing as opposed to an MLS two team. Do you really care about that stuff, Larry, as far as MLS two versus independent you know, I don't think it makes a huge difference unless the USL team is completely stacked with players that are playing regularly for their MLS affiliate. And, you know, for the most part, I looked over the rosters today. It doesn't seem like that's too big of an issue with Swope Park. They do have some players that have been coming down, but they've been coming down regularly throughout the season and they haven't been getting used on the MLS roster at all. I think between between all the players that they've got called called up to or called down to Swope Park rather, um, only one or two games have been started by those players on the MLS side. So for all purposes, they're pretty much USL players at this point, even though they live on the MLS roster as well. So I don't think it's a huge issue. Obviously, some teams use it a little bit differently, RGV, um, but you know it is what it is. <laughs> Good old RGV, where we uh, see Tyler Derrick every time he's on a red card. So now that he's accused of domestic violence, maybe we'll see Tyler Derrick all season next year. Who knows? Um, anyway, getting back to the USL Cup final, uh, I 
I agree as far as the roster goes. I definitely think if the players are playing mostly at the USL level, then even if they're getting paid by the first team, they're basically USL players. Um, but having like the aesthetics of having like New York Red Bulls 2 uh, versus uh, Portland Timbers 2, just as, as a sheer example of having like named two teams playing each other, I think that looks really shitty. Like if that were what was to come, um, I like that even though Swope Park is an MLS two team, at least they have their own branding and they're a different name entirely from Sporting Kansas City. Um, so I, I'm okay with it. I'm more okay with it than the literal two teams, which we're seeing fewer and fewer of with Seattle going to uh, Tacoma and all that good stuff. But Those are good changes to have, though. Hopefully we'll see more of that and give these two teams their own identity and their own branding. It's good for the league. It's good for the teams. It's good all around. Fully agreed. Um, the, the thing that's not so good that we're seeing – more and more somehow in USL is playing in baseball stadiums. I know for some teams it is um, by necessity and that's the only way that they could have a team. And I understand that. Um, And if that's the case, then playing in a baseball stadium is better than, you know, not having a team at all. But you would think, um, you know, you would think that they'd be able to come up with some sort of situation for a USL Cup final, for the championship game, for the penultimate game of the year for this league, and it's going to be played in friggin' Slugger Field. So uh, it's not a dig on the, the Louisville fans by any means. They have a rabid fan base and a great fan culture over there. But, um, you know, just aesthetically, Tulsa and Louisville and, and – We'll see what Seattle ends up with when they go to Tacoma, but um, does it? And Las Vegas coming in next year, aren't they playing yeah. at a baseball stadium too? I think they might be at least for the first year. I mean, we're looking at what now? I think it's what twenty twenty. We have everybody has to have dedicated soccer fields at the USL level. If I'm, I might be wrong on that one. I that sounds right. I know that they're they're trying because. One of the emails that I get sent, it seems like almost every day, is that the league has partnered with another company that is involved in building stadiums. So they've they've partnered with companies to build the actual structures for pop-up stadiums and uh, concessions partners and, and you know stands partners and turf partners and everything else. So from the league level, there's no reason not to have a soccer specific stadium at this point even if it's kind of a pop-up field and not something um as dedicated as like toyota field but more on the level of like phoenix which looks really nice and and it's um like served its purpose really well i think um heck of a lot better than a baseball stadium so phoenix looked great when when we had our away game there i mean i didn't have any complaints from watching at least on the you know the the stream of the the game, it looked like a good solid stadium for what it is. I know it's a pop-up stadium and there's really no reason for any of the teams to not be able to at least pull that off. I think it bothers me too, because, you know, we play the majority of our USL games on either Wednesdays or Saturdays. And it's not like there's not a high school team somewhere in that city that has a big stadium for their high school football team. It's not getting used on Saturdays. 
Most of the right. games are going to be Saturdays. You know, they play high school football on Friday nights. I don't see a reason why they couldn't find a different venue to play in that's actually got a full-sized field rather than putting a, a, a half-assed version of it into, in a baseball field. Yeah. <sighs> And I guess we'll give them credit because this is three-quarter assed. Um, they are putting down new turf specifically for the championship game, which is well-intentioned, I will say. I give them props for at least trying. Um, but putting down turf four days before a game seems questionable. And we've seen issues with that at the Alamo Dome for national team games um, where it's like little rugs just sliding around. So... You know, would it almost be better to play it on the dirt and, you know, the the typical Louis, the typical Slugger Field surface? I don't know. I mean, new sod is going to be rough, and I think we're going to see big divots in the field after just a little bit of play, and that the field quality is going to degrade really quickly in that game. And I can't help but feel like that's not the kind of coverage the only D two level league in the USSF now needs on national ESPN coverage. Like we're going to be on, the league is going to be on national TV for the championship. And we're going to be showing the game in a baseball field with sod. That's four days old. And that is just not a good look for us. It's not a good look for the league. It's not a good look for anybody involved in this. I also think it's interesting because it kind of kills some of the home field advantage for the Louisville players, because now you're playing on a turf that your opponent has the exact same experience on. Like the dimensions are still familiar, I would assume, but um, you know, just anything to get a little home field advantage, you would think that they would want to take. But you know, I mean, we replaced sod this year at at Toyota Field, and it didn't get played on for three or four weeks. Like they did it during the road during a right. road stint, and it still didn't look amazing at the end of that break that they had. Uh, so I can't imagine what it's going to be like after four days of being on the ground. It just, it, bo- it bothers me. I almost would have rather them just leave it as it was, not put the sod in there and just leave it be, let Louisville be what it is. I think you're going to get criticism for it being in a baseball stadium anyway. So, you know, might as well live up to it and play it as is, but not up to us and the new surface, it will be, um, on Monday's match. Um, competing against Monday Night Football. That that should go well, right? That's going to be a tough choice. Um, so, <laughs> I don't know what the Monday Night game is this week, but, you know, that's, sure, I'll probably have both of them on. That's what I'm going to do. I'll have both of them on. I think the Dolphins are playing Monday Night, aren't they? Are we? Like are we playing that. Monday Night? Oh, By the way, people, I'm a Dolphins fan. Get over it. I know we're in Cowboys <laughs> country, but this is what it is, okay? Oh, boy. Um, so predictions for this game do you have score prediction you know i'm looking at the bracket and what it's been so far i'm kind of pulling something out of nothing here i'm gonna go one one and it's gonna go all the way to penalty kicks and louisville louisville's gonna win it in penalties swope's already been in two (laughs) sets of penalties in this the playoffs uh louisville's already been in play uh penalties once as well like we're gonna go the whole way penalties it is see i'm going the opposite way i think it's gonna be a bonanza i think um three one swope oh wait who did who did you have winning penalties i'm taking louisville in the penalties louisville all right all right 
Maybe we'll have to come up with a little friendly wager sometime before Monday. We'll put it on social media. We can figure something out. We'll see. We'll see a little something. Um, either way, that game will be on Monday night. It'll be fun to watch. Um, or it won't. I don't know. I don't want to. It's a late to game too, isn't it? Isn't it like at nine o'clock or something like Is that? It? It's oh my god. Yeah, it's it's a late game. It's not early by any means. I'm yeah, let's see. Right nine o'clock Eastern. Why? So uh, eight o'clock Central here in our time. Uh, well, whatever. Could be worse, I guess. <laughs> at least the West Coast will be able to tune into that Midwest battle between these two teams. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll be able to do that. That's for sure. Uh, so moving on to some other USL news. Um, we we have a little news out of RGB. We will have uh, at least one new face down in RGV when San Antonio plays them again next year because Junior Gonzalez has moved on from the club over to uh, LA Galaxy to be an assistant coach over there. Um, you know, what do you make of this, Larry? And, um, you know, how how invested are you in watching this rival in their off-season moves? Because for me, it's almost like watching SAFC to, to that extent. You know, I don't know that I'm going to pay play or pay too much attention to their off-season moves. I mean, it's almost more pertinent to pay attention to what they're doing at the M- MLS level with the Dynamo because they're just going to send <laughs> those players down anyways. Um, but could this be the reason why Billy Forbes is out there in L.A.? I mean, Junior Gonzalez has gotten the beat laid down on him by Billy Forbes, especially at the beginning of the season. I mean, he knows what Billy can do and what he's capable of. Maybe he's out there pulling some strings and putting some names in some people's ears out there. And getting Billy out there for a tryout. That's a very good point. Man, how weird would it feel to have an RGV coach um, scoop Billy away to L.A.? It wouldn't feel good. It would not feel good at all. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Anything else about Junior Gonzalez? It's kind of hard to guess right now without them naming another coach. Uh, Dynamo are still in the MLS Cup playoffs, so... Um, I don't expect much of anything to be announced anytime soon there. Um, but anything else RGV related from you? No, I don't think so. I think we covered it all there. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next month or two. I'm ex- I would expect a new coach gets hired then, but we'll see what it means for the future with us. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then probably the favorite topic that we talked about during the break um, Fresno has, uh, announced their branding for their USL, their jump to USL, um, as opposed to the Fresno Foxes that we saw in lower division soccer before. Um, do you want to bring up who, uh, what identity Fresno has chosen to take? They, well, they are Fresno FC first and foremost. However, their secondary branding is the Foxes. They are going to be the Foxes. They are apparently, from what I could glean from it, they're intending to use a Fox as an actual mascot out there. And we all saw what happens with mascots and the fiasco those can be with the Scorpions back in the day. Like That's not a good way to go. <laughs> not a good way to go at all. I hope the Fox comes out of an egg in the middle of the field, like whenever they introduce the mascot. I feel like that's the only way to introduce mascots properly at this point. But you have to have like big names around the city sit on the egg and incubate it on a weekly basis. <laughs> that is what the topping on the cake is there, and that has to happen. Absolutely. Oh, man. Do you remember that 
Bigfoot looking thing that Swope Park introduced or was it Sporting KC? I feel like it was Swope Park. I think it was Swope and it was terrifying. I don't know what it was supposed to be. (laughs) I'm Googling it right now because I remember it um, terrifying me at the time. And also I couldn't look away. Well, that week it was the laughing stock of USL on all over social media when that thing came out at halftime that day <laughs> on the is, game that week. It's horrible. I wanted to call it Hat Trick Harry, but I thought that was not right. But it is. It's nope, Hat Trick it, Harry. It is. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just as terrifying <laughs> as I remember. <laughs> it's looking into my soul right now. Ugh. No, you don't have a soul anymore. It yeah, took it. That, I am it's Swope, gone. and Swope is me. I'm part of the mind hive. One of us. <laughs> One of us. Oh, man. Uh, Stranger Things Season 2 is good, if you haven't watched that. I need to watch that. I haven't watched Season 1. I need to just sit down oh, and watch the whole dude. thing. Yeah, we're going to pause the podcast, and you're going to binge Stranger Things real quick, and then we'll finish it after that. Okay, we'll be, we'll continue this in what like eighteen hours or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Fresno FC, the Foxes. Um, good for you. Yeah, you know, hope it works out. Um, jokes aside, I am excited about all the teams coming into USL uh, in the next couple of years, between Fresno and Nashville and Las Vegas, in particular Las Vegas, because that. That crest is 100% gold. Uh, the Las it's Vegas amazing. Lights. It's an understatement. It is amazing. So good. I'm, um, I'm going to be in Las Vegas this weekend at the Rock and Roll Marathon, and I really, really hope that they have some sort of presence there so that I can get some sort of Las Vegas Lights swag. Um, because even though I have no intentions of supporting the team, I just love how the crest looks, and I need something in my life with that crest on it, whether it be if, a scarf or a shirt or whatever. If you can't get it this weekend, I've already mentioned this to Steph. I'm supposed to go to Steph is my wife, by the way. Um, I'm supposed to go to Las Vegas next September for a fantasy football draft. <sighs> and Dream. I am fully intending to see if I can make it to a game while I'm out there. That I, that's already cool. on my list of things that I want to do out there is if I'm out there for a Saturday, I don't know what dates it's going to be yet, but if I'm out there on a Saturday and they're in town, I want to go see a lights game. That would be, that would be pretty fun. Their stadium is like pretty close to downtown too. Like, I don't mean to like sit here and drool over Las Vegas. I really don't have any intentions on supporting them, but just as a team coming into USL, it seems like a really great situation uh, in every way other than the fact that it's a baseball stadium. Yeah, I mean, it's they're, they're headed in the right direction. A lot of these new teams coming in look like they're going to be doing big things. But the lights, yeah, their logo is just off the charts amazing. And it drew me in right away when I saw it. I texted you right away. I was like, yeah. this, this logo, I want to go watch this team play just because of the logo. It's They've done themselves so well with that it looks amazing it's exactly what las vegas soccer team should look like (laughs) if if any usl officials are out there listening if you could find a way the first week of september to make sure safc is playing in las vegas get it done because i will go see a game Um, So speaking of USL expansion teams coming in 2018, Nashville SC is set to premiere as well, also in a baseball stadium. 
Um, but with a lot of public support behind it, it seems like, and part of that support is because of their MLS expansion bid. And I promise this is not going to turn into an entire expansion show or anything like that. Um, oh, we're doing it. We're going down the rabbit hole right now. <laughs> Here we go. Buckle up. Um, so Nashville, the Metro Council approved the MLS stadium funding 31 to 6, um, which means that, long story short, Nashville is ready to go for MLS. The only thing they're missing is MLS saying you're an MLS team. Um, they have their stadium. They have their ownership group. Uh, everything is greenlit and set and just kind of in a holding pattern until they get the green light. So that's Sacramento and Nashville that are at that point. I'm pretty sure Phoenix is close to that point, if not already. Um, Cincinnati's waiting for a stadium. San Antonio um, obviously has some issues uh, outside of Austin um, just yep. with the funding of the stadium. There still hasn't been a vote on that. Um, so this, in my opinion, really moves Nashville to the front of the pack for that expansion class, does it not? I can't see Nashville. I don't see a way that Nashville doesn't get a spot now. I'm I'm thoroughly expecting it to be Sacramento and Nashville as the first two. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, they're 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 checking off all the boxes, which good for them. They've got a USL USL team and an MLS team that are going to be a part of the same ownership group. Uh, you know, a 27,000 seat plus soccer specific stadium with it all the budgeting paid for or figured out at this point. And they've got a strong ownership group too. I mean, the the owners of the Minnesota Vikings are a part of that group. They're they know what they're doing. <sighs> Freaking Nashville. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can you can you blame them? They've got a strong strong soccer base out there. I mean, with the last U.S. Men's National Team game out there, they pulled almost fifty thousand fans out there. Yeah. Clearly, there's a strong want for soccer in Nashville, and they're doing everything they need to do to get it done. Yeah, and there's no competition in that region either. I mean, that's a huge part of it is not having a team, you know, 90 minutes down the road that or a market 90 minutes down the road that's also pulling for it. So, I'm I'm genuinely happy for them. It seems like they're doing everything right and uh seems like they would be a great MLS franchise. I've always not always, but in the last couple of years it kind of seems like Nashville is like Austin East, like it's the new Austin, Portland type city. I don't know. I've had so many friends that kind of have moved to Nashville and, and it just seems like that same vibe from everything they've said and everything I've seen on social media and all that. It's the non-hippie version of Austin. It's just filled with people that like country music, but it's I'm, the same thing. I'm not even <laughs> sure about that, man. Like I've got some friends where they were um, pretty standard, you know, whatever, whenever they, they lived in San Antonio and then they moved to Nashville and they're in like floral print, everything and like, don't wear shoes anymore. So <laughs> I don't know, but, um, Nashville, it, it seems like it would be a good MLS market. And it's always been one that I've been scared of when it comes to competing with San Antonio. Um, but it, it looks like they've got all their ducks in the row and it looks like it's going to put a lot of pressure on Tampa and Cincinnati, um, Tampa and Cincinnati in particular for their MLS bids. Detroit is still in the running, but now that Detroit is presenting their NFL stadium as a soccer stadium, I'm pretty sure that's going to knock Detroit out of the running. And it kind of feels like another San Diego situation where it was about getting the land and not so much about 
building a soccer team. It's unfortunate, but you're probably right in that regard. I mean, Detroit's shooting themselves in the foot here with everything they're doing. I know they brought on the Ford family as as part owners now, but it's just not going to get it done being in a in an NFL stadium. It unfortunately feels, for them, it feels like a cavern even during uh, NFL games. Like even when it's Packers Lions, it still feels like that place is empty. So I can't imagine a soccer game being there. I mean, I I don't know how big it is in comparison to like Atlanta now with Atlanta stadiums monstrous. For sure, but, but the thing with Atlanta is it was built to house Atlanta United. So like, even though it's a huge stadium, it it is kind of like BC Place where it it doesn't feel like it. It's a little more. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm just imagining things, but it feels better than. Uh, like Gillette Stadium in New England or, or some of these other places where they're NFL stadiums housing MLS teams. Right. I don't know. I, I just don't see Detroit getting it done at this point. You know, I think Sacramento and Nashville won two pretty natural there. I think Phoenix is probably a strong contender for a third spot. The fourth spot's a little bit more up in the air. Cincinnati, I know they've got a strong fan base and a large desire for soccer up there. Obviously, from what we've seen with the attendance with their USL team, uh, but with I think a lot of that has to do with Columbus and what ends up happening with Columbus. Right. I don't see them putting two franchises that close together. If Columbus moves, it's a much clearer path to the to, to MLS for Cincinnati. And, and let's talk about that development really quickly because we do have some actual news about that, um, not just ranting and raving like we've done in the past. Um, with Columbus's pending move to Austin, um, Thursday night, uh, the Austin City Council voted to approve what was essentially the start of the search for a city-owned site um, and then a, a study on the effects that it would have on the area that it was built in. Um, and I can tell you from firsthand, from sitting through 10 hours of... Austin City Council meetings. First You're a saint hand. for doing that, by the way. I You're am, an absolute saint for doing it. I'm a glutton for punishment is what I am. I I don't know what I was thinking. But this thing started at, I think, 10 a.m. And they didn't actually get to the MLS relevant stuff until like 8 p.m. <laughs> was... Sounds about right. Because I tuned in about 6. Yeah, that and was, that was a little much listening for two hours. I can't imagine 10. That was right around the live music break that they took because, oh of course, God. they did. It's Austin. <laughs> Let's bring a full band into the, <laughs> the city council chambers for 15 so, minutes to play. When they finally got around to talking about their MLS stuff, um, the two biggest concerns that I took away were that uh, a few of the city council members were very adamant that the city would not pay a dime to support this team other than giving them the land to use, leasing them the land to use, rather. Um, and the the other one was making sure that it was um, in a feasible place. And so there was a movement to put it downtown in the urban area. There's also another person by the name of Sean Foley. It's part of Austin's person in uh, Austin. <laughs> Ooh, slip there. Whoa there. Slip there. Whoa. <laughs> Let me back that up. Who's part of Austin sports and entertainment. <laughs> Nothing to do with the Spurs. Sorry. <laughs> Just so used to saying Spoiler Spurs alert. sports and entertainment. Yeah. Right. Um, 
So Foley is trying to get them to put the stadium uh, a little ways outside of downtown, which ironically is farther than Toyota Field is from downtown San Antonio. Um, And Foley seems to be a separate entity from the pre-court group, though he's trying to get the stadium to house the crew team with pre-court being the owner. So it kind of seems like he wants to be the landlord, Um, we were trying to figure that out right before we started recording and we'll see what comes of it, but it it seems like there's another player in all of this that, um, may complicate, complicate it, maybe not, but, um, anyway, so, so that's what's going on with Austin. There was a rally tonight outside of city hall at 6 PM, which worked out perfectly because, um, watching the public comments about, this vote, everyone, not everyone, but several people had the scarves and hats and stuff from the MLS to ATX group um, from the rally that they had literally just left to walk inside to go to that thing. So um, it probably worked out in their favor. There was only one dissenting public commenter um, for the city council session uh, when it came to the MLS part. And his concern was that um, the parkland not be given away for free and that it shouldn't be taken away from the citizens of Austin. So, uh, I, having watched city council all day, I can tell you that that seems to be a big concern of theirs and making sure they're being responsible with development. So it'll be interesting to watch. He seemed pretty adamant that there had to be a vote, like, to be honest, that he wanted a vote, no way around it to make sure that the community had a chance to approve parkland being given away. Yeah, that's what it was. Is he wanted the public to have a vote on if it was going to be par- if it was going to be parkland. He wanted the public to have a vote. Sorry. Correct. Um, so that's what's going on with Austin. When it comes to MLS expansion in San Antonio, we are one thousand percent on a holding pattern right now. I would imagine um, because. We've been told that San Antonio and Austin are not both going to get mar- uh, both going to get franchises. So I would think that for San Antonio, you have to wait and see how Austin plays out. Everything that I'm seeing, everything that I'm hearing, and everything that I'm watching makes it seem like it's going to work out unless they just absolutely cannot find a stadium site, which I don't expect to happen. Um, so... I'm going forward, everything that I've been told, everything I've seen is that the Spurs are still pushing for MLS in San Antonio, that nothing has changed on that end, um, that they are still pursuing their bid. But, you know, Larry, is MLS going to come to a city where their um, county judge is threatening a lawsuit against them? <laughs> I can't see why they would. I mean, we're we're threatening lawsuits left and right now, apparently, with Judge Wolf and all the investigate crimi- criminal investigations about being misled as a city from interactions with MLS. You know, there's a lot of a lot of troubling things that have come to light with all of this, and even tonight with that Austin City Council meeting, the represent representative from Precourt Sports Venture, he. <laughs> He had said some things that were uh, pretty interesting from a collusion aspect as far as, you know, the only way Austin is getting a team is this route. We are going to go around the expansion expansion teams and we're going to bring a team here. And this is the only opportunity you guys are going to have at MLS. 
not in those exact words, but that's pretty much what he said tonight. Yes. I mean, maybe, yeah, that's correct me if I'm wrong. That's damn close to what he said tonight. <laughs> I mean, that was almost exactly what he said was that because the, the debate that they were having was a couple of the city council uh, persons wanted to uh, amend the document to not just include pre-court um, sports ventures, but also include all of MLS. I don't think they understood that MLS is single entity, but um, anyway, regardless, they, they seem to want to write it as if there were going to be other MLS teams that were coming and knocking on the door, which right. is just not the case. And as a side note, there was a report from a business journal, either in Columbus or Austin, um, that misrepresented a quote from one of the council persons um, that made it sound like there were multiple MLS teams trying to get to Austin. That was not the case. It was cleared up in the Austin American Statesman, so highly recommend you find that um, if if you haven't already. But um, anyway, it, it sounds like MLS is coming to Austin, and it sucks for San Antonio, and I'm not trying to say it doesn't, but... Um, you know, just working with the the reality that we have right now. I, I can't help but stir the pot a little bit here, but apparently MLS to ATX tweets tonight were geotagged back to Columbus, <laughs> which <laughs> Jesus, come on. <laughs> Put a little at least, effort. at least send the tweets from, from somebody here in Austin, you know, like show a little bit of show a little bit of something there you know don't do it all the way from columbus and geotag yourself like that and i think i think that's an important thing that you bring up is that it's well known at this point that um mls to atx is a um a promotion group basically from pre-court sports ventures from psv uh, the owners of the crew. It's very that, well known. <laughs> thank you for correcting me on that, because MLS to Austin is a different entity all this altogether, and that's that's who I listed. But so, yeah, it's yeah. the MLS to ATX account. MLS to ATX, <laughs> MLS to Austin is PSV, MLS in Austin, and they've actually changed their name on Twitter to MLS in Austin SG is the legitimate grassroots movement of, of soccer fans that have been in Austin for a while. And the MLS in Austin SG is a placeholder name for the supporters group that they're, they have started and they're going to rename once they get a team and some uh, identity to name that supporters group, something more permanent. So I do think it's important to differentiate between the two groups um, because I've chatted with those guys a lot. It's tough to keep the troll account separate from the real ones at this point. (sighs) And that's, that's fair. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I I want San Antonio to get MLS. I do unequivocally, full stop. I want uh, San Antonio to get an MLS. But right there with you. You know, just living in the reality we're living in now, it's hard for me to look at what's going on and get mad at the MLS and Austin guys. And you know, having chatted with them personally, um, you know, they're they're just soccer fans, man. Like past all of this like stealing the crew save the crew all all that stuff these austin soccer fans are just kind of caught in the middle like obviously they don't want to take soccer away from anyone else but you know if i was an austin soccer fan it would be hard to not be excited about getting a mls team if the opportunity presented itself 
hundred percent agree. Yeah, hundred percent agree on all fronts with that one. And I don't want to get on a whole rant about that. I'm sorry, but mm. you know, it would be interesting if the tables were turned and San Antonio was the market that MLS wanted to relocate to. How many folks would be upset about that to the point where they would say they didn't want it? Because I don't think it would be that high if we're all being honest with each other. I don't think it would be that high either. <laughs> There'd be a few, but it wouldn't be a majority <laughs> by any means. <sighs> anyway, um, real quick, just mention it because we're, we're up against the clock at this point. But uh, U.S. men's national team is playing Portugal on November 14th. The call-ups are almost entirely youth players. I love it. Um, I want to see this call-up roster for every single match going forward and, until – another uh, youth player earns his way up there. But um, Larry, do you care about these games at this point where it's basically a developmental exercise? I've got a mild interest at best in them. I mean, it's exciting to see us making call-ups of entire, you know, almost entirely youth players. Um, And they're definitely the future. And considering we're not going to really have anything to play for until what, 2020 when the next round of world cup qualifiers starts, you know, some of the guys that we've been relying on for a long time on our senior men's national team aren't going to be there. Right. So we better start developing these youth guys now because we're going to be seeing a lot more of them here in the future. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who's blacklisted and who comes back, you know, throughout the, the time. But I'll really get interested once a head coach is named. And I don't think a head coach will be named until a president is elected uh, in February. So speaking go ahead finish your no that was all i was gonna say was i'll watch it but you know until we get a new head coach i don't feel like we have much of an identity right and speaking of you know ussf presidents um landon donovan i the news is reporting now that he's pulling out of the ussf race for the president spot you know he's he's saying he doesn't have an interest in the politics and he wants to be active but maybe more in a youth role um and the development side of things so i mean I know a lot of us were pulling to maybe see him throw his name in the hat there, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I think that's interesting. I I think Donovan wants to be open to attaching himself to whoever ends up winning it, uh, which I don't blame him for at all. I'm not criticizing, but that's how I read that anyway. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of the way it looks. Um, but, I mean, he could be... He could be good for U.S. youth soccer and the development movement here in the States. So he's definitely got the name recognition out there. And whoever he ends up tagging his name onto for the president's race, will it'll help them out. You know, if he gets busy with that, I wonder if that means San Diego stays dead as an expansion market for MLS. I hadn't even thought about that side of things. That's a definite possibility. That's what we do here. A little freeform jazz, you know, no preparation. That's that's the best way to go into a podcast. <laughs> Speaking of, let's get into the Twitter topics and questions here before we call it a night. Um, Aaron Reet writes in, who do you think stays on the roster for 2018? And I think we're going to do a whole segment about this at some point. Um, but Larry, if you want to drop a couple names, maybe two names that you think will stay on the roster for 2018... Um, and if you want to think about it, I'll go first. I, I kind of dropped that on you, but you know, I'm going to even stick to just one, one, one group of players and just look at our forwards, Elizondo and ever Guzman. I think Ooh, we need to have those guys back. You know, 
Elizondo's done really well for our team overall. Guzman was brought in at midseason, and he's done nothing but great things for us. I'm really hoping those two stay on our roster for the next year. I think those are realistic, too. I I like that a lot. Um, for me, I am going to go um, Rafa Castillo is who I think will be on for 2018. And I think we will also see... I'm going to stick with the central midfield and go with Michael Reed. I think he sticks around for another year after being captain for most of the year and kind of fitting that central mid role, both defensively and more attacking minded. I I think those are two guys that we'll see is Rafa and Reed. I hope we see a lot more and we'll talk about that again uh, on another episode, but those are going to be my two for tonight anyway. Solid choices with both of them. And I think we'll probably see both of them as well. Uh, so Harry writes in any word on co-hosts. Um, not sure yet, man. Hi, my name's Larry. <laughs> I'm here now. Wanted to keep that not a secret, but you know, we wanted to announce that with the show. So that's why I didn't put that out on social media, but, um, really happy to have Larry and expect to have him going forward. So, um, Larry Leathers for co-host 2017, um, <laughs> When to start seeing moves for SAFC? Kind of answered that earlier, but I think it'll be early December um, would be the soonest because you would think that they're probably not going to announce anything while the USL season is still going on. And like we talked about earlier, this is the time of year where USL players are getting their shot with MLS. So really don't expect a solidified roster until early February, really. Um, Maybe maybe late January, but really early February is where I expect to be able to start picking a starting 11 and that kind of thing. Um, and he says, uh, FC Cincinnati has already signed a defender and, and yeah, I've seen a couple announcements already. Um, there was one team that announced like four or five players all at once. I can't remember who, but did, did you look at that FC Cincinnati signing at all? I did not. So it's it, he's a, a a center back from the Israeli Premier League. Apparently, the FC Cincinnati coach has been out uh, recruiting abroad, and he signed an Israeli Premier League player defender um, named I'm going to butcher this one Dekel Kainen. Um, but apparently, he plays for the biggest club out in Israel. He's also a national team player for them out there, um, and it's. An Israeli media outlet is reporting that it's a $150,000 contract for two seasons for him to come here. (laughs) So big money. Like, they they paid this guy well. (laughs) Holy crap. The minimum wage in in MLS is like $50,000, last I heard anyway. So, wow. 75K a season? That's a lot of money. That's a ton of money. (laughs) FCC better have the best defense in the league next year. Man, crazy. Well, Larry, did you have fun? You want to do this again sometime? Yeah, we might be able to do it again next week. (laughs) Well, we will um, probably take a break for Thanksgiving at some point this month. I guess I should probably look at my calendar and figure out when that is. That's not next week. That is two weeks. Two weeks away. The 23rd is Thanksgiving. So we will be back next week. Um, I really appreciate you guys listening and the support that you give in the podcast. And. Uh, I hope you enjoy the uh, path that we take going forward. It's not going to be too different. Um, 
you know, probably a few more beers involved. We'll see. But uh, we do have some big plans, some big um, video-related plans for the podcast. Um, the live stream is going to be better than ever uh, eventually once we get back to doing that. Um, and some other cool stuff going on with 210soccer.com. And, of course, the podcast is going to get a new name, like I keep mentioning. Um, but, you know, it's fun. And this is off-season, so we're going to keep it pretty casual and uh, look forward to a fun 2018. But, anyway, until next week, you can follow us on social media at Kyle underscore Mankey and at Larry Leathers 87 um, those are going to be your two places at 210 soccer. I'll have a, uh, some stuff, but it'll mostly be at Kyle underscore Mankey and at Larry Leathers 87 for all of your super fun USL SAFC soccer news. Um, again, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. I just want to learn, oh, learn to forget.